Hey, 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 Talking Shizzle listeners. You know, it's always been important for me to align our business with other companies and individuals who share our values, especially those who share a deep commitment to serving nonprofits and social impact. So for that reason, I'm super excited to announce our very first season two sponsor, Kila. Kila is a fundraising and donor management CRM that is built specifically for nonprofits by nonprofit professionals. These folks really get it. Their mission is to empower nonprofits to deepen relationships, retain donors, and raise more for their cause. Several of our clients and partners use Kila and have continued to be impressed by just how easy Kila is to use, how affordable it is, and most importantly, the results they see using the platform. The Kila team is also phenomenal to work with. They are super friendly guys, and they have a continuous commitment to equity and inclusion. Now, go check them out. We got a special offer for you. As season two sponsor of the Talking Shizzle podcast, Kila is offering our listeners and community 40% off their first year subscription to Kila. 40%, you guys. That is a lot of shizzle. Think about all the other shizzle you can get done by saving that money on your nonprofit CRM. Plus, if you have under 250 records, you can get access to the Kila Starter Program for free. So if you are interested in learning more and booking a demo, go to keela.co slash partners slash creative dash shizzle. That is K-E-E-L-A dot C-O forward slash partners forward slash creative dash shizzle. Hey, hey, all you lovely people out there. You've got a lot going on in your day with big dreams and big goals for your world. Are you ready to talk some shizzle and learn some shizzle from leading entrepreneurs, changemakers, coaches, and overall interesting people who like to shake things up? I'm your host, Taylor Shanklin, CEO and founder of Creative Shizzle, and I am stoked to bring you a fresh episode of Talking Shizzle today. This show is all about helping you think differently so that you can grow. Talking Shizzle is brought to you by our team at Creative Shizzle, where we help businesses, entrepreneurs, and social good innovators make amazing marketing shizzle happen. Check us out on the web at creativeshizzle.com. Now, let's talk some shizzle. What's up, what's up, folks? We are here for a fresh episode of Talking Shizzle with Fundraiser Chad. What's up, my friend? Hey there, Taylor. Great to be here. Looking forward to talking some shizzle. All right, let's get into who you are, what you're about. Give us a quick background on... Sure thing. Chad Barger, um, lifelong fundraiser, pretty much all I've ever done, caught the bug early. Um, I was a phonathon caller in college and uh, then AmeriCorps member. And before I got my first real job, I realized there was a business side to this nonprofit stuff. So all I've ever done uh, up until a few years ago was be a nonprofit fundraiser. So um, had a 24-year um, frontline position, variety of groups and higher education, the arts, museum field. And then um, kind of fell into uh, consulting like folks do. And now I'm a uh, fundraising speaker, trainer, and coach uh, with my own firm, Productive Fundraising. And you and I met, I think we actually, it's funny, last 
here, you and I are about to go to the AFP Icon Conference. And I actually think we first met in person last year at the AF. Yeah, I think there's been some online stuff over the years, but like, yes, live and in person. That, that's the beauty of Icon. It's the largest gathering of fundraisers in the world, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, so I want to get into a little bit about your background and let's talk about some fun stuff. Tell us about your favorite job you ever had. Yeah, my favorite job. Yeah, I mean, it was it was truly my dream job. Um, it was the the last fundraising position I held. Um, so I was the executive director of a United Arts Fund. So we raised money on behalf of about thirty different arts and cultural organizations. Um, where I'm at, I'm based uh, just outside of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, one of those state capitals that you folks not from Pennsylvania have a hard time remembering because it's not the biggest city. But uh, so ran that United Arts Fund and, and loved it. I'm a band geek, arts people. I met my my wife. We met first met in high school marching band, and uh, she's a playwright and theater geek. So I, I was all in. Yes. I was that uh, annoying guy that comes on stage right before the performance and tells you to turn off your cell phone and does a quick pitch for the United Arts Fund while I'm out there. So you did that like 50 times a year. It was great. Did that for a decade. Really loved it. But during that same time, I was uh, president of my Association of Fundraising Professionals chapter and kind of get started getting these requests to speak. You know, did that. Really learned I love speaking. It was a lot like high school marching band. It was a rehearsed performance. And got that adrenaline rush. And afterwards, people started saying, hey, I like that. Will you come into our shop and teach us how to do that or show us how to do that? So kind of started doing a little consulting. And that grew. And over time, um, I kind of found that my passion shifted from raising funds for what I really care about, what I'm passionate about. To helping people do the same. To helping them raise funds for what they're passionate about and really seeing that leverage change um, in the community and even beyond. Well, I think you should go fact check Chad real quick on this. See if he was really in the marching band. (laughs) (laughs) It's been a little while since we've done fact checking. So let's just go fact check. I can do photo proof if needed. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what we're getting at. (laughs) Oh, it's good. I got the death stare like uh, competition. I was all in. Yep. Well, I think it's great because it's a part of your background that really like maybe at the time you were doing it and you weren't thinking that this was going to relate to what I'm doing later in life and the business that I'm going to start. But it it did. Right. Like it's uh, you had some fundraising roots there. So I guess I'm curious about maybe something that you learned from that, that you've taken into your current work. Yeah, I mean, that was really I mean. The fun story I always tell is I was actually voted shyest freshman um, in ninth grade. My wife was as well. So we were the two, uh, the male and female shyest freshmen. And now she's still pretty shy, but I'm full out, you know, people give me the energy and those kind of things. So I think just that process and the leadership and kind of brought that out of me and to the point that, you know, talking to me in eighth grade, there's no way I would have ever said that I'm a professional speaker and uh, enjoy getting on stages and those kind of things. So it was just that evolution and confidence and, and leadership that just kind of baked right into it. And so you've taken that into starting a company. Tell us a little bit about, I'm curious to hear about an entrepreneurial challenge that you've had. Like walk us through the history of like what made you get to the point where you started it um, kind of leading up to where you are now and what, what were some things you learned along the way? 
you know, so I was doing the speaking and people were starting to say, hey, come work with us. So I talked to my board chair at the time um, saying, hey, do you care if I kind of do this on the side some? And he was, you know, very open minded and said, you know, that's fine. Um, as long as you meet your fundraising goals, I don't really care. I actually think you're going to get ideas working with other groups that you can apply here and help us. So for about two years, I kind of did that. And then it grew and I couldn't do both. So I talked to a different board chair. This one was very into efficiency. So I knew that. And I said, the consulting work I'm doing is growing. I want to keep doing that, but I don't want to leave this job. It's my dream job. How about I go to halftime? I do the major gifts and donor relationships and work with the board and the leadership as executive director. And we hire a database person and an events person part-time. You are going to save money in the process. Uh, we're going to have more capacity and everything can work. So that board chair was all in like, yeah, that makes total sense. So did that for two years and then it grew again. I'm like, I got to make a choice. Which way is it? Do I go with the dream job forever and just ride this for 40 years or do I explore this kind of risky but fun thing? And I started using that fun word and I realized I kind of had that entrepreneurial bug that, you know, um, where's this coming from? I'm not sure. And um, I talked to my mom and she said, you were the kid in fifth grade that was buying cases of candy at the discount store and reselling it on the bus in your backpack. You have this entrepreneurial gene. You just have it repressed for like 20 years. So that was all I needed. And uh, off we went. But I kind of had a different approach that I don't want the big firm. Like I don't want to grow this to the 20 person team and, and be the next, you know, huge firm. I really like just being me. And, um, you know, I've, I've managed staff, I've had the HR challenges and all of that. And I kind of embraced this concept of a company of one where, you know, I'll outsource things and, you know, 1099 and refer and all of that. But I really love operating in my sweet spot and, you know, not doing that, but people just don't get that. Like that, the concept, that's kind of my biggest entrepreneurial challenge of, you know, overcoming the mindset that you have to grow in order to be successful. Like you got to see this growth and, you know, I certainly have revenue growth and everything, but when they see that, Hey, you started your firm five years ago and it's still just you, what's wrong. It's kind of weird. And I don't know. That's kind of my struggle. I'm not going to hire people just to make them happy, but at the same time, it's kind of like, why don't people get that? Not everybody wants the big firm. So what's your sweet spot that you figured out? I learned, well, you know, when you start your business, you take anything you can get because, you know, you're scared and I, you know, I need revenue. And so I'm doing, you know, feasibility studies and development assessments. And every single time the end of the job, it came time to write the report. I hate it. Like sitting down to write that five, 10, 15, 20 page report, can't stand it. I'd have to do so much to motivate myself to do that. So I don't want to do that. And I just really love, I love that stage. I love to train. I love to be with people. That trifecta of speaker, trainer, coach really is what works for me. You know, speaking to a group on the stage, being with a team, um, whether virtually or in person and uh, the one-on-one coaching, helping people, you know, just get past things, that monthly check-in or what's going on. How do we troubleshoot this? Let's keep you moving. That's really worked. And staying in the space I know, which you know, outside of the first three years of my career where I was in higher ed with a 40 person development team, everything else has been just me. 
So the small shop, helping that executive director that has to do everything and fundraise on the side too, or that overwhelmed development director and the shop of one, those are my key areas and, and staying in the sweet spot that really works for me. Yeah, I remember you and I talking about that one time, actually. I like I like that you just know who you are and know what you like in terms of like, well, why does it mean that just because I haven't grown to this team of 20 doesn't mean I'm not successful? It doesn't. That's just the way that like society traditionally views things. What? You're not growing? Maybe you are growing. There's growth. There's growth in revenue. There's growth in me. There's there's all kinds of growth. It's just not growth in bringing in other people that I got to deal with. So. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So like, that's what I mean is like, there's like, you're personally growing, you're helping your clients grow, you're still professionally growing, I'm sure you're bringing in projects that you like working on. And so I think that that's, um, I think that's good. I honestly think a lot of people probably wish they had that, and are afraid to like, not just go after the continuous, you know, quote, air quote, growth. Yeah, if there's any folks like that listening, I'll plug a book that really helped me. There's actually a book called Company of One by Paul Jarvis. And um, it's just really huge help with this mindset of, hey, you don't have to listen to them. You know, do what you want. Build your company of one. You can have specialized just in what you need. And because um, I want to do the work. I want to work with the clients and be fraud. I don't want to spend all my time managing 15 other people. Okay, so Chad, you... You've got to where you've, you've been overcoming the mindset of being a company of one. You actually prefer it. What is something that you could pass on to other people who might also be in that same place where they're feeling like, that's me, but I'm not sure where to start? Yeah, I would say, you know, it's just getting past that mindset that growth equals success. So however you need to do that. I actually kind of, anytime I hear growth or you need to grow, you need to do this, you need to expand. That to me is a mental cue to just stop, stop and analyze, you know, think anytime that happens, any kind of growth, I'm going to sit on that for like a week, at least just do I actually want to do this? Is this actually going to take me in the direction I want to go? And more often than not, I'm kind of saying, no, that's going to take me away from what I truly love doing. It's not worth it. I would much rather pass that on. So I have a lot of great referral relationships, other people that I know that are great at this, you know, for the amount of requests I get for grant writing, I could easily have hired a grant writer, two, three at this point in-house, have them completely busy. But then instead of doing what I want to do, I'm managing a team of three grant writers. I hate grant writing. So that that is not going to be fun for me. So I'd much rather pass that on to another firm and we do enough create a referral relationship, you know, I've done that where I'm getting, you know, a little bit of something for doing the half hour back and forth email chain and off we go. I'm staying where I want to stay. They're getting business. Everybody kind of wins. And that's great for the the client too, because they're getting somebody that has tons of experience, lives all day, knows the local foundation scene. And yeah, I'm not in that spot that I don't want to be. I've kind of come up to Another mindset shift here is that I kind of try to build my business around my life rather than building my life around my business. So, you know, how is this going to fit? If I've got to deal with, you know, this team that they're calling and I got to coordinate and I got to have standard hours and a weekly staff call, no, then I'm not going to work. You know, I'm an early bird. So I like to get up 
like 5.30 and just hit it. And um, by like 2, 3 o'clock, the brain is fried and I can just turn it off. I don't have to be in the office managing this team and this expectations of, you know, this is what we all do. So growth isn't success and um, building your business around your life, not the other way around. I've heard that Chad Barger has been called the Martha Stewart of fundraising. You're, you're referring to the oddest feedback I ever received on a, a speaker form. And uh, I think I gave you the full quote. So can you read the full quote there, Taylor? Yes. Chad is like the Martha Stewart of fundraising, very actionable and approachable content. So when I saw the Martha Stewart of fundraising, I was kind of like, ah, what is this? Wow, my Martha Stewart. And, you know, and then I read the second half and actionable and approachable content. And I'm like, okay, that resonates because that's exactly what I try to do in all of my training, all of my coaching, everything. So Taylor, you've been there with me. We're at some random fundraising conference somewhere and a great presenter comes up gives all this excellent research data and theory. And we're like, yeah, I'm all in. I'm all in. This is great. And then it stops. And you're like, well, it was great. I agree. But what am I supposed to do with it? Uh, where do we go from here? So all of that, like next steps, take this actionable. Here's a template. Here's a sample. This is how you do it in your shop. I try to do that in all of my training because I've just been to too many of those sessions. And frankly, it's why... I attend a lot of conferences, but I don't go to a lot of sessions. I tend to do a lot of uh, thinking and brainstorming and content development while I'm there because I just don't want to take the risk of going to another session where it's just all theory and not necessarily what am I actually going to do with it. I don't do insider trading. Um, I don't bake. <laughs> I don't decorate. But if it's actionable and approachable content, I can be on board with that. Make candles or in anything? Um, no. <sighs> No, I, I hike, I backpack, I uh, walk, I, I don't know. Um, a little bit of leather work maybe would be the closest I get to anything crafty, but, you know, that's just to, like, fix things. I don't know. So what's one of your favorite resources you give to people, like the most actionable resource? You know, I'm going to give a shout out to um, the great Lynn Wester, donor relations guru and her team. Um, because I love their resource library for one reason, one reason only they have these swipe files. So you're doing an annual report, you're doing a gift acknowledgement letter, you're doing an event invitation and you just have mind freeze. You go over there, you download one PDF file and it's got like 500 pages in it. And you literally just pop it up and keep hitting page down as fast as you can until you see something that just strikes you and gives you that inspiration. Um, she's got a huge, you know, Rolodex and, and client base. And she just says, Hey, give me your stuff. And they put it in this giant swipe file. And it's simply that, like, just give me some inspiration. It kind of takes me back to the first three years of my career were in higher education. I wasn't an AFP member back then because they have case, the uh, council for the advancement and support of education. And, uh, we always went to conferences and we joked that it doesn't stand for Council for the Advancement and Support of Education. It stands for copy and steal everything because we literally all brought all our stuff, put them out on tables. And in the breaks, you just walked around and say, Ooh, I like that. Grabbed it and took it back to your designer and said, we're doing this for our end of calendar year appeal. So uh, it's the non-education version of that for me. It's just hitting those swipe files. And uh, there we go. 
All right. So to close us out, I'm curious to get your perspective on one thing that you would change for the better in the social good sector right now. What's something that you think if we just did this one thing, like it would fix a lot of other things. Yeah. I um, have this guide I put out and we can link it in the show notes if you want um, the seven keys to fundraising success. And um, it used to be five. And then I, added in outsource your grant writing because I find most people are horrible at it. So that was number six. And then um, over the course of the last two years and turmoil, three years probably now, turmoil and you know, everything that has happened, I added number seven, which is got to take care of yourself, you know, some self-care. I think as much as we in this sector are here to help people and improve the world and, and all these things, we're just darn horrible at taking care of us. And just giving us space and room and forgiveness and taking care of health and all these things. And, you know, I, I think some of us that are managers don't give people room for that or the expectations and we're operating so lean and there's just too many excuses. I think the last three years have shown us that self-care does need to be a priority for everybody. There's no reason to not have that be. We don't have to be a martyr for the cause we serve when we do that. Nobody wins. We burn out and off we go. I mean, my uh, upcoming icon presentation is on the staffing crisis and what can we do to actually attract, retain and keep qualified fundraisers and what are the expectations these days? And a big part of that presentation is you got to let them actually take care of themselves or they're going to be gone faster than anything. So self-care folks, you got to do it. Make it a priority. Put it on your schedule. It is just as important as that donor meeting that you have to get to. All right. Well, hey, where can people go find you if they want to work with fundraising? Chad, if they want to buy some candles from your online gift shop. Sure thing. It's uh, ProductiveFundraising.com is the website. I have a huge free resource library with tons of stuff there. People can grab anything. I do a free monthly webinar every month on a different fundraising topic. You can sign up for that. And on social, I go by fundraiser Chad on pretty much every channel. I'm not on TikTok. I don't really know what to do on there. I don't dance and things, but anywhere else, fundraiser Chad, you can find me and uh, would love to connect. Thanks so much for your time today. I look forward to seeing you when we're in New Orleans together this coming week. Sure thing, Taylor. Can't wait. Well, hey there. That was fun. I love how much mind-blowing and mind-opening shizzle our guests bring to us with every episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on your favorite podcast player so that you don't miss a beat of the Talking Shizzle podcast. And if you're listening on Apple, be sure to let us know what you thought and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from our listeners so that we can bring you all the good, juicy business growth shizzle that you would like to hear about. Get in touch with us and follow along at creativeshizzle.com or email us at podcast at creativeshizzle.com. Until next time, keep making your shizzle happen. Mm-hmm.